Hello, and welcome to the Organ Files podcast. First, our disclaimer. We are amateur podcasters simply for entertainment. If we misquote or offend, it was not on purpose to do so. And today we're recording from our lovely attic space where we record most of our podcasts. So hopefully uh, you may pick up or hear from one of our dogs, neighbors, or what have you. Thank you and enjoy. And here's my co-host, Elliot Bowman. Thank you, Mark. Uh, happy 23rd episode. 23, buddy. Cru- cruising right along. Cruising right along. I love it. I also need to uh, shout out our new sponsor, our good friends at Too Shy Brewing. I, I can't... Uh, say enough how much I, I love these guys and we really appreciate them jumping aboard on our podcast for for our, our new sponsor and uh too shy is a place where friends and beer meet you can come check out their wide variety of great beers on tap uh, they also do like a rotating food truck uh, like the local food trucks here in town too shy you can find them on 1308 Northwest Park Street in here in Roseburg. You can give them a call anytime, 541-236-2055. And they're open Monday through Saturday, 12 to 8, and 12 to 9, Fridays and Saturdays. And they're a very cool local small business. I'm really happy to have yes. them on. And they're actually expanding to Reedsport as well. They're they're moving into that market, so That's which is awesome. kind of cool, you know, starting out here in Roseburg and then moving along the coast. But yeah, they have they have everything is awesome. Uh, yeah, everything is awesome. Is a yeah. Pale ale. Yeah, yeah, I knew that was a very popular yeah. one. And they do some cool like seasonal beers too. Oh, nice. So. Yeah, we're we're big fans. We we appreciate them a lot. So very cool. And then the uh, sponsor we want to shout out to, of course, our classic video games plus and love up frozen yogurt in Roseburg, Oregon. They're open seven days a week. They're off Stevens, and they have the yogurt site has new flavors every month, some dairy free, and over fifty toppings, including fresh fruit. And when I say fresh, they they cut it that fresh. morning. It's ready to go. It's fresh. There's a guy in the back. Can't every get day. fresher. Cannot get fresher. Um, they also have an impressive new game section and blue DVDs, Blu-rays, disc golf, magic cards, Pokemon, you name it. There's something there for anybody. Gift certificates are available. Just a, a good place to shop in Roseburg. And yeah, so today we're going to cover buried treasures in Oregon. It's a good topic. It's a good topic. Now, so first of all, I there's one story that we're going to cover that I've come across a couple times and I've always been saving it to cover. Okay. But to do for this podcast, I wanted to do a little more research because I didn't think there was going to be that many buried treasures. I found at least 20, 20 significant buried treasure stories in Oregon. Okay. Just, I'm only going to cover four today. So this is, we're probably going to do a second episode at some point, but there was four that really stood out to me that I wanted to cover today. And I know that I think you're going to cover a couple items as well. Yep. Yep. I love it. The first one I wanted to cover today was we're going to cover one called the, uh, I think they call it the Saddlebag Treasure. And it's a story of this guy in Eastern Oregon who had a ranch and worked a lot of long hours. Like he would, the, the joke was that he would be in his horse 16 hours, 18 hours a day, running his ranch, running cattle, that kind of stuff. So at a young age, he, he started accumulating a good amount of money. Had a nice big piece of property and everything like that, and got married, and everything was going good. And he was he wanted to have a bunch of kids. He was ready to settle down. He was purposely making money so that his family could be well off. So <laughs> everything was going fine until his wife was unable to have children. Kind of bummed him out a little bit, not able to, you know. A, a nearby ranch had a, a boy, and about by the time the boy was about seven or eight, the guy who owned this ranch took him on, and you know to tra- train him and show him what to do and that kind of stuff. And really feel the kinship with this this kid. 
showed him all the things around. The kid was real good, real respectful, that kind of stuff. Worked real hard. World War I comes around. The kid's now 18, and he enlists. He's going to go and be in World War I. Well, the owner of the ranch calls him over the night before he's supposed to leave and tells the kid, he says, hey, go ahead and move that bookcase. And moves, the kid moves the bookcase and pulls out two giant, heavy saddlebags filled with gold coins. Hmm. That this guy collected over like the last 50 years. Okay. So this guy worked hard and he didn't spend like, he just saved everything. Like he was getting paid in gold coins. He just, well, he just, he'd convert wherever he had two gold coins. Like okay. this is what he did. So, so he's had this money for a long time. It's gold coins. And so he tells the kid, they goes, look, he goes, here's what I'm going to do. I have a cache buried in my yard. I'm going to add these two saddlebags to it tomorrow. Uh, you've been a good person with me. I never had a kid. I always want to leave this on to a kid. So when you come back from World War One, I'm most likely going to be deceased. I'm going to tell you the location of where this gold is so you can have it and, you know, and, and do good with it. Right. So he tells, he tells this 18-year-old kid where it's at. He says, you know, you know, start from the corner of my house, count 30 paces out. There's going to be a giant round rock. Okay. <laughs> Flat round rock. You can't miss it. From there, it's another like 20 paces to a bush. <laughs> you can only find treasure by counting paces. Always. So it's always going to be paces. <laughs> right. Paces is one of those measurements. That right. it's like, isn't it like everyone's foot size is a little different, right? Right, <laughs> right, right, you're right. Yeah. Right. And then oh, and this, the sun has to be like in a certain uh, point in the sky, you know, oh. like three o'clock in the afternoon, you count yes. 20 paces, you it's know, in the morning it's 45 paces. <laughs> yeah. So true. So true. Yeah. yeah. So so he tells him where it's going to be, right? So the guy goes off to World War One. He comes back, you know, it's a couple years later. Oh, good. He survived. He survived. He makes it through World War One. He survives. He comes back to his hometown in little in, in a little town in Eastern Oregon. And sure enough, the guy had passed away the year prior because he started asking around. He knew it. He goes, oh, okay. Well, he goes, so what happened with the property? He goes, well, when they passed away, the wife boarded up the house and she moved to San Francisco. He goes, there's no one on that property. The guy wouldn't tell his wife, hey, I got buried money, buried treasure. Okay. Here- and he wanted to take care of his kids at the beginning. Oh, he didn't have kids. Just didn't kidding. Kids, okay. Yeah. So here's the deal. So yeah, keep that, keep that thought in mind because yeah. you're on the same path. Out of yeah. Okay. So he, so the kid, now he's 22, goes out to this ranch, this property, right? Yeah. And he starts counting out the paces, trying to find this round stone. Cannot find the round stone anywhere. Well, how big is the stone now? It's supposed to be pretty big. But yeah. then again, it can only be so big because you can't have like a seven-year-old guy lifting it by himself. To yeah. Bring, right? So you're right. I started doing like trying to do the, the logic behind right. it. Right. But he can't find the stone and he can't find, because there's like hundreds of bushes. So there's like, they start just digging up all the bushes that, you know, they're like 60 paces away. <laughs> so he keeps going back to his property year after year. He, nothing. He never finds it, that kind of stuff, right? And this is before metal detectors. He finally runs into a guy that was actually helped the wife move. And he tells him the story. He's like, yeah, I'm supposed to find some round stone. He goes, oh, he goes, we put that in the well to cover it up. He goes, I found put that in the yard. in the well? Yeah. So apparently they cover up the well. They put this in the well, which once again, how big is the stone? All right. But it's a big flat round stone. But yeah, apparently they put it, uh, either dropped in the well or covered the well with it. So the guy, so now he knows they've been moved. So now he doesn't know where it's mm, at. He has no idea. So anyways, to this day, no one ever found the treasure here. No one's metal detected it. The less theory there is, is that you could still, the house is gone, but you could probably still find at least where the four pillars of the house were. And start counting paces with a metal detector. So this could still be out there somewhere. If and it's true. Here, here's my other theory. Go with it, because I, I love the theories. There was no treasure. Okay. He knew the kid was going to enlist in World War One, uh-huh. So he wanted to give him hope for Ooh, something to come back to. I love it. You know, uh-huh. you know going in there, yeah. you know, didn't want to feel like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you wanted to, like, make sure he tried to stay alive, knowing that he was going to come back and try to find the treasure. Yeah. 
if there was treasure. No, I believe there was treasure. But I, I, I'm saying, I, yeah. you know, maybe he was, you know, telling the kid, like, you know, go go survive this war and come back. You'll be a millionaire. Right. How much is, the gold I, is. Does it say where it is at? Eastern yes, Oregon? It's in Eastern Oregon. I'll give you some, I'll give you a place here, maybe a name. My my theory was, and I'll be honest with you, I think the wife knew. I mean, he had to have told his wife. Oh, you think, you think the wife knew? I think the wife, the wife dug it up. I think, that, okay, here's the deal. The, the key for that for me was moving to San Francisco. If it's around the gold rush, knowing that that's a high market area, that uh. kind of stuff, I think she found the gold and moved. Because the other key for me was the, the boarded up house. You would try and sell some property. I mean, to just board up something and leave is odd to me. That means you don't care. You have no value in this property whatsoever. Anymore. Yeah. So I don't know. That one's always weird to me. Maybe he, didn't want to take care of the ranch after the husband yeah. died, though. Or, you know, sell it to somebody. You know, like, you know, right. you could have given like a got a gold peach from someone in town or something. Right. right. It was in Union County, a region of mountains, foothills, and low-lying meadows located in northeastern Oregon. And it's still, to this day, sparsely settled. Sparsely settled. Yep. So it doesn't even, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, man, yeah. there is. Well, you have to look it up by name. The guy, now the fight part is we do have the name. The guy's name was William Bennett was the guy who owned the ranch. William, so Bennett. William Bennett. His wife's name was Ophelia Bennett. It's a good name. So you can look up William Bennett, look up Union County and try and find where this guy lived. You know, the young boy's name was Lynn Hill. Hmm. Yeah. Very crazy story. But anyways, that one's, that one's, uh, I thought that was an interesting. It one. does make you think. It does make you wonder, you know. Yeah. Is there really, because you hear stuff like people like they're just metal detecting or they're just like digging in like their garden or something yes. and they find like a bag of like gold coins underneath a tree. Right. And so it makes you like wonder, is there, how much really buried treasure is there out there? Yes. You know? And that, that was how they used to do banking back in the day. You buried it in a yard because right. you there wasn't a savings account to go put it right. into the trusted. You or know? you didn't want to get like your... Your house robbed and then they take all your like your life savings yeah and, you know I, I think that's the funny part with buried treasure for me is that like if i had a treasure i, I probably wouldn't bury it unless i really like i had done something illegal to get it and i was trying to hide it but most of the time i'm gonna try and sell it off like i want to use it right? right so it's so funny that people like get a treasure like right. you know these private stories like they dig they dig a hole and put this treasure like in the coast somewhere right and draw and, a map and, and draw a map come back and to leave. it yeah. yeah what's the point of giving yourself the, the chore you right. know just take the gold with you <laughs> right. split it up there right i don't get the point of burying the gold unless they knew they were going to get caught or had to but the whole coming back thing even back then it wasn't an easy trek right right if you're in you know <laughs> right a 30 day on the ocean to yeah. come back to this little island yeah, to fight the to fight the ocean, to fight that kind of stuff, to go right. back, hoping that you can just find that buried treasure. Yeah. It seems like a lot of work. You know what I'm saying? Seems a little too much work. Too much work, you know? <laughs> anyway, so that's the first story I had for you. Good um, one. Good one. Isn't that, yeah, like this one is called the Blue Bucket Treasure. Okay. okay? This is the one I've read about a lot. Okay. I've, and the hard part of reading about a lot is several different stories of what happened. Okay. This takes place during the Oregon Trail. Once again, we're coming through Eastern Oregon. And they get to a point where there's a couple different ways they could go. So no one at this point is familiar with where to go. Do they still keep following the Columbia River? You know, go go up towards where they think Portland's at. Do you cut through, go towards like where Bend is? You know, do you go down and then maybe over to San Francisco? They're just not sure. They get to that 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 cusp there between Idaho Oregon border at the time. They didn't GPS it or nothing. No GPS. No maps. No Google Maps. Very painful, right? Now the funny part is they picked up a guy in Montana named uh, Meek. His last name is Meek. And this is where the story of Meek's Cutoff happens. Okay. And this is actually a movie. There's a movie called Meek's Cutoff where this is a true story that plays out where they trust this guy named Meek who says, oh, I know the way. I can get you anywhere in Oregon. I've been there a hundred times. Guy's completely full of it. Yeah. Okay. 
Completely for me. <laughs> Trust so, old Meek here. Old Meek, right. yeah. old Meek will take it away. <laughs> it makes it makes gotcha, right? <laughs> right? So he splits the party up. So some people believe Meek and gonna go follow him, and other people are like, no, we're just we're gonna rough it and try and keep going through and that kind of stuff. The Meek's party breaks off, and they of course immediately have a hard time. They're in a territory no one's ever been in before. Oh, man. Um, they're trying to get oxen through like canyons. They're like right. things aren't going good. So, hey Meek, you know where we're going? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Shit. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got any more gold? One day they're resting. They're trying to get, because some of the oxen ran off. So they told some of the kids, hey, go get of the oxen. That kind of stuff, off, right? Yeah. The, I, of which course, I love it. I right. love the, wild animals running off. The guns going off by accident. All the accidental gun killings. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Oregon show, accidental <laughs> gun killings, rattlesnake bites. <laughs> right. um, Cholera. So here's where the story gets a little interesting. A group of kids go off to either find oxen that had ran off or to try and find some water or something like that. So there's two different stories. Either out to find oxen or out to find water, right? Either way the story's told, they get to a, a special uh, creek bed. And one of them is that three of the boys started finding these gold rocks, shiny rocks in the water, and filled their pockets with them. And they go back and say, hey, we found these crazy pretty rocks. What do you think? And they're like, oh, that's copper. It's worth nothing. <laughs> okay? So there's one. Story, but they still yeah. hold on to them. And, and right. Okay. So anyways, there's, there's one version of crazy it. Crazy kids. Right? The other version was that uh, one of the little girls, they took one of them, took their little sister, and she had a little blue bucket. And she, they were too busy trying to find water and fill up canteens, that kind of stuff. And she started picking up these pretty rocks and put them in a bucket. Didn't tell anyone in the family what she had collected, put it in the back of one of the wagons, okay, covered it up. They finally, they go off. Okay, so finally they go there. Mick's party splits again, by the way. Mick goes this way. The rest of the family <laughs> goes up to part of the group, makes it to Portland. It's not until they get to Portland, they're settled. A year goes by, and they're still trying to go through stuff. And- the the mother of the daughter says, what is this bucket? And she goes, oh, those are the pretty rocks I found when we were coming over. Solid gold nuggets. Of course. Okay. This Families is, sit well off. This is how Microsoft got started. Okay. okay yeah. Oh it's, oh, it's wild, right? <laughs> so either way, this gold makes it to Portland. These people become rich. Okay. Well, now here's the best part is Miss Meek comes back. Meek goes, oh, oh I was part boy. of that party. I know right where she found it. So this guy comes back Knocking out of the, on wood, the door. Right? He comes back out of the woodwork. Oh, Meek's here. I'll do tours. I'll take you back through. I know right where this is at, right? This place has never been found again. Uh, wherever this girl, wherever this girl or the boys found the gold nuggets in the stream, something like that, they think either a landslide covered it up. There's been so much area shifted due to like silt and that kind of stuff. There's a honey hole somewhere. There's a honey hole somewhere that there was, and it was enough to where she could only fill one bucket and that's all she could get. Yeah. Those guys can only fill their pockets, right? It's crazy, but it's, I mean, there's so many people who witnessed them showing off the gold and that kind of stuff. Like it established the family and the family had like a famous last name, if I remember right. Meek, Meek, sadly, I think he ended up not having a good ending. Um, <laughs> I wonder why. You know, just, just a guy you just can't trust. <laughs> nope. Uh, they kept the name secret to be safe. Yep, that's right there. That's like when you win the lottery, you don't want to tell anyone you your tell name. Anyone. Did you see someone won that? What was the $70 billion jackpot? Who, who won that? It was somebody like Indiana or Illinois yeah. or something like that. Good on them. Do you know what? Yeah, I go opposite. I don't like to read who won it because I just... Oh, to have that money, Mark. To have that money. Would you want would you would you want to win This is a good question. Would you want to win the lottery? And if you won the lottery, would you want to win like an astronomical amount of money? Or would you be okay with winning like three million? You know what I mean? Like if you were gonna win, <laughs> yeah. would you want to hit it big or would you just be okay like hitting like you know, three million, five million, whatever? Or would you want to do like the billions? Yeah. No. You know? You know what's so funny is it's two different things. There's one I know a lot of people say that there's a curse for winning 
yeah money like that right like, people come out of the woodworks yeah, yeah you got an yeah. uncle in like texas somewhere that says hey the i raised you yeah 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 exactly get the people out of the woodwork right kick down the old meek yeah, yeah exactly you're right it's, it's a hard question now i don't think anyone would really say no i wouldn't mind money right <laughs> you know as a flavor i don't like money because you're right of all the evilness and tied to it right but uh I, there's a quote too that i once read it says dear lord let me let me win the lottery to prove to you I'm not a selfish person or something like that. I always thought that was cute. I don't know. I mean, yeah, of course we'd all, I don't know. I'd, I'd be cool with it. I would, depending on how much I won, depending yeah. on what I do. You know, they say that it's best to like put it in a account and just live off the interest and live modestly. And that's probably what I would do to yeah. some degree. Would you want, how much would you want to win like billions or millions? I, it, it, it's hard. It's, you know, I always said more money, more problems. Yeah. And I've seen that with a lot of people now. I would like, you know. And would you bury it in your backyard? <laughs> just, just underneath a, couple, a rock. Just a couple pieces. And some just, just, a, just a mess with people, right? <laughs> with yeah. a blue bucket yep. on top. It called the Leighton's Lost Treasure. It's got a nice <laughs> ring to it. No, I don't know. It, it depends on how much I won, what I would do with it. I, you know, I don't know. I make sure certain people are comfortable, but I just. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would like to help some charity organizations, you know. Be a philanthropist. It, yeah, I would. I know like a- It's noble of you. You know, I just, I, I think that's the way to go with a lot of that stuff. I've lived a certain way most of my life. Right. So I'm kind of comfortable now. Like I'm in that age now where I'm like, you know, I'm kind of comfortable. It is what it is. It is yeah. what it is. You know, I don't think I need, I don't know. I, I don't, don't I don't like stuffy overdo things. It. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I think it'd You're be not materialistic. Boring. I buy a lot of magic cards. Yeah, <laughs> you buy a lot of magic cards. <laughs> That'd be embarrassing. Uh, you would buy every magic set in town. Oh, it'd be ridiculous. That'd be, that'd be it. That'd be it. And I just, but I don't know. Having, having possessions is, is one of those things that my wife and I talk about all the time. Right. Like we Minimalist. Keep, we keep joking. Like we could do a tiny home. Just, you know, you just enjoy your company. Enjoy the yeah. the day, you know? I don't know. How about you though? Same question to you. Sure. I feel similar. Okay. I would want to have enough money to where I don't feel greedy. Yes. But... I'm also able to take care of like great grandchildren, you know, like, yeah. you know, few downline in the old generations yeah. is, is yeah. not strong, but you also want to make sure your kids understand the value of money. So that's, that's also trick, hard right? too. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, which makes me think if you won the lottery, who exactly would you tell, you know, would you even try to hide it from, you know, the rest of the mm -hmm. family and stuff. I but when I show up with a new Mercedes, <laughs> There's a lot of questions to be answered. Yeah, that's hard. It is. That's it, hard. You also play, you're right. It's the giveaway, right? Because right. like, oh, uh, Mark, do you want to lie? No. And I'm showing up in a Batmobile. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Suede suit. Yeah. Right. Um, helicopter. Oh. I don't play the lottery. I don't either. I have like yeah. the worst luck. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can barely get any money off the scratch. It's, you know, I get like $2 back and that's it. Did you, so. there was a movie about the guy gaming the lottery with Brian Cranston. So it's a true story where a guy realized that the lottery um, at a certain time would like, they double the value of it if no one was winning it. So he would purposely buy like $10,000 in tickets, but it was guaranteed that he was going to hit. Cause even if he didn't hit the full jackpot, he could get the majority of the numbers for the bigger payout. Yeah. So he would buy these tickets and it worked and it worked every single time. And he, but the crazy part was he took his money and had, he went to everyone in town, this small little town and said, Hey, I found a way. He started a company where they would invest and they would go to this other town and buy all these lotto tickets, <laughs> but the whole town benefited. Yeah. He, he and, and it, it was a true yeah, story. Yeah, I've heard stories like that. Yeah. Where like, uh, where they have everyone in like a, like a group, like a work or something yes, like that. Yes. Yeah. 
everyone, uh, you know, puts in a few bucks and then there's like the one or two people that are like, I don't want to be part of that. And then they end up winning, oh, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. I don't know. Or the, I don't know if this is a true story or not, but like buying a lottery ticket for someone else and they end up winning big. And then it's yes. like, now what? It's like, well, I bought you that lottery ticket. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, that would be hard. That would be hard. I, I like the one for <laughs> That's people. when the moral. You know. Oh yeah, I, I would. I would. I would give him something. You'd have some, to give a finder's right. thing, right? right yeah, right. it's that luck and timing right. they did it. Right. That wouldn't. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Depending on their situation, it's debatable how yeah. much I give them. <laughs> right, it's debatable. It's like the ones the people who also buy a lottery ticket and forget they bought one. They check their pocket like two right. months later and like, oh hey, we won ten million dollars right. two months ago. Yeah, wild. All right, what's the next? Okay, uh, the true buried treasures in the Oregon lottery. <laughs> All right. We're going to get closer to Roseburg for the next story here, uh, or possibly closer to Roseburg. This next one here is a pretty good one. And this one has a little twist at the end, just a little twist, because that's what I like to do. This one's uh, around 1850, the heyday of California Gold Rush. Mm -hmm. There's a gold miner that kept returning to Wairika, California. Uh, every, beautiful area. Yeah, right? Beautiful area. He kept coming to Wairika every late fall, winter, and would hang out at the local bars. And But his, his they don't know his name anymore. But his nickname was Set Him Up because when he walked Set Him Up. Set Him Up. Because when he walked in, he said, Set Him Up. And he bought everyone in the round. <laughs> of course, everyone was this guy's friend. Right. Of course, you want to be there when Set Him Up shows up. Yes. Right. So everyone knew this guy. Everyone loved him. He hung out and chatted with everyone there for a couple months that he was in town. Definitely meek. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, but he, of course, here's the deal he paid with gold nuggets. Okay. Everyone asked him, Where'd you get the gold nuggets? He said, I'm not telling you. I'm sorry. You know, Jeez. this goes on for a couple of years. So he yeah. shows up every year. All his friends, he makes all these friends in Wairika. Eventually, they get him drunk enough. And they say, okay, no, where are you getting this gold from? And he goes, well, to be honest with you, I'm not getting it in California. I have, I found a spot in Oregon, in Southern Oregon. I built a cabin on top of the spot of a vein that I found in the ground. So during, <laughs> during spring and summer, I live in my cabin and I just pull gold nuggets out of the ground. What was our friend that we read about? Are you talking about Ed Shefflin? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's so funny you say that because yeah. Ed Shefflin's treasure keeps coming up as well. Yeah. Okay. And that one's been really exhausted where people keep have trying to find trying that. to find Ed Shefflin. Shefflin's, I mean, we're talking Shefflin's a, a stone's throw away here, south on Quad River, you know, Myrtle Creek, that kind of stuff. Yeah, Ed Shefflin's, yeah, that's another one of that he's one of the top twenty treasures lost. Someone's right? bound to find it though. Someone's bound to find it. And Ed Shefflin, we know for a fact though, did travel right. all the way down. Of course, we know it's a tombstone. Tombstone. Because right. that's where he found it, right? Right. So, but we got this guy just known to set him up. And you're right. I love it. It's the twist is this guy's Ed Sheflin. That would be amazing. Amazing. The they're time right. frame fits. Well, three years into it, their friend doesn't show up. So they're all they're all now sad. Like, well, we know he's in Oregon. Oh, we wanted okay. free drinks. Yeah, we wanted free drinks. Right. We're set him up, you know? So they just, sarsaparilla. <laughs> so they decide they're going to, okay, let's, let's form a search party. Let's go see if we can't find our buddy or at least find his, you know, cabin. <laughs> right. They have no knowledge. They just know Southern Oregon. <laughs> okay, but I love the des the desperation. Right, that they're gonna go find an abandoned cabin. Okay, right, and it's not like getting in a car. It's like hitch up your horses and your ponies and your donkeys onto a, a wagon and and then take the trail up. Right, days. Yes, days. Yeah, you got no GPS. You got nothing. Right, you got nothing. Um, so they make their way to Oregon. They get to a place called Table Rock City, which is now known as familiar yeah. Jacksonville. Yeah, yes, Jacksonville, Oregon. So they meet up with a group of Oregonians who wanted to join the search party. Now, one of these men was a guy named John William Hillman. Well, none of the men ever found the cabin or the lost mine. So this guy's stuff's never been found, right? Hillman did discover something else, though. 
Hillman was the first of the first person of European descent to lay eyes on what is now Crater Lake. Okay. So at this cool. point, Crater Lake, just so you know, until this was... <laughs> that's cool. Right? The wild twist is that they knew that there was something called Crater Lake because the Indians kept saying that there was, oh, yeah, there's a big lake out there. They didn't know where. Okay, no one believed them. They're, but back then, people weren't here to find lakes. They are here to find gold. How do you stumble across that? Get this. The guy was actually late at night. He, they were still trying to find a cabin. And he said he, had, he was on his mule, and the mule just dead stops. And he goes, and he's trying to get the mule to go. The mule's not going, <laughs> right? And he goes, and, and Millen's actually quoted as saying, he goes, if I had been riding a blind mule, I would have ridden over the edge into Crater Lake. He goes, I stopped at the edge. <laughs> well, who rides blind mules? With that dino zap, I know. <laughs> if I was riding a blind mule. <laughs> a blind mule would be funny because you don't know where you're going, right? <laughs> right. That's something rich people do. I'm going to ride a blind mule and see Hit the lottery and get a blind mule. Yeah. So anyways, we know we never know where the uh, lost, yeah, set him ups, abandoned gold cabin. But we did find Crater Lake, and that's where that put Crater Lake on the map. You, you, you just the reaction of like being the first person to see something like that. Yeah. How do you even explain that to other people? That's you just can't it. take a picture. You can't. You can't I guess it. you can draw it, but yeah. I'm like, okay, guy, there's this crater somewhere. <laughs> there's an island in the middle. It's like the the bluest color of water. It's oh, like yeah. super pretty. And it's perfectly like, perfectly round. I think you know. It's right. like how do you you're right? How do you explain that? You right. come back like you're not gonna believe what I found. You're, <laughs> right. you're like we only care if you found the, the, the <laughs> right. gold mine. Gold. Yeah. yeah. Wait, is right. there golden lake? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the early settlers. That's all they wanted, right. man. They want that gold. Are you ready for the last story? I'm ready. This one here is, I could not find anything, anything online about this, but the only thing I found was in books, which was just very interesting. What is, what I did find online changed the title of it. And I'll explain why this is technically called the Chinook lost gold mine. It's now also called the Tillamook gold mine. Okay. Okay. So the story starts with the Chinook Indians and they first started meeting the fur trappers as they were coming over, right? And the Chinook was actually one of the friendliest Indian tribes in Oregon. Yeah. And if so, they were happy fur traders. Like, hey, we'll give you, yeah, you guys got, what do you guys got? We'll give you here. Here's a gold nugget, right? What do you got for us? They were so friendly that a lot of the fur trappers actually took Chinook wives and settled down and started what was pretty much modern-day Portland. Okay? So Portland starts developing. We got the Chinook Indians here that kind of, they kind of spent most of their time on the coast, and around the Tillamook area and that kind of stuff. Development started happening. Uh, Chinook wanted to buy stuff. I go, like, oh, you know, we don't have to, you know, hunt and gather if I can just give you one of these gold nuggets we have plenty of and give them to you for, you know, goods and trade, right? The problem is, you can see where this is going. Yes. And, uh, and all the settlers want to know where they're right. getting these gold nuggets from. Okay. And they were coming, like, we're talking like the walnut slow size. heads just turn. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, uh, so, uh, where are you, uh, yeah, where are you getting the gold from? Yeah. Well, the Chinook, that was the one of the things that they would not tell. They would not disclose where their gold mine was. They knew that, so everyone knew that they were getting this gold from somewhere and that the Indians were secretive where they would get it from, that they were just fine. And, right. and the other crazy part was the early fur trappers, there was ports of, because they would be gone for a day and come back with gold. You know, just just this gold, you know, and sat like enough that was nuts, like unheard of, right? The fur trappers' minds were blown, but not only that, but the gold was so like 100 fine and that kind of stuff that I guess I guess real gold is more like the more pure it is, the more it's like tinfoil. So it's kind of like you know, right? And so the Native Americans, he said that one of the stories was that the Chinook could take like a small hammer or chisel and make a full piece of jewelry in one day. The gold was that fine, okay? And that's where it's almost a different color gold, right? They knew that they were onto something, so. 
as it goes on, sure enough, they're getting a little angry that the Indians aren't telling them where the gold's at, right? And so there's, and the thing is, we have a lot of reports of the Chinook Indians trading this gold. There's different, all kinds of different people in stores, people who traded with them. So we have a lot of accounts of the Chinook trading these gold nuggets. Like, you know, size of walnuts are bigger. Sadly, one day there was an older Indian and his two grandsons, and they were walking by a campsite where there was a bunch of guys, you know, a whole prospectors, and they're, they're just trying to walk by on the road. Uh, minding their business. The, uh, minding their own business. All right. And of course, the prospectors, you know, like, oh, hey, what you guys got in those, you know, satchels on your horses? Yeah. That's what uh, I feel like going to Fred Myers and Walmart sometimes, you know, I'm just minding <laughs> my own business. Somebody out there, oh, hey, you know. hey, what, what, you, hey, what you got in your pocket, buddy? <laughs> right. Oh, man. Times haven't changed. Nope. There's, there's, there's always going to be somebody after your gold. All right. Uh, they start harassing the old man and his two grandsons, the Chinook Indians. They wouldn't give it up. And so they end up killing. One of the grand, the grandfather and one of the boys, the other boy runs back to his, you know, the Chinook tribe and says, Hey, they took the gold. They killed my grandfather. They killed my brother. And so at this point, the, the Chinook decide, okay, we're done. We're now officially, this is all the white people wants this gold. It's cut cursed off. us now and killed us. We're closing up the mine. So the oh, Chinook closed it up. Shut it down. They go oh, down geez. there. They cl- if we can have it, nobody can have right? it. Right. Which you want to talk about. Making pissing off the white mayhem. People. Oh, they want their gold. You know, right. oh, the Lord said I can find gold here. Right. How dare you take it from me? So, shuts it down, right? So, this becomes now this is what starts to become the stuff of legend because now time passes. No one believes that the Indians had gold in the first place. Right. Okay. Here's where the story gets interesting is one of a family that lives not too far, from, you know, between Tillamook and Portland had a Chinook woman who was kind of like took care of their kids and that kind of stuff. Raise one of the little girls up. Like a nanny. Right, great nanny. Yeah. yeah. She ends up uh, on her deathbed, tells the girl that she kind of helped raise. Always on deathbeds. Always on a deathbed. All right. Four of these gold rush, uh, four of these buried treasure stories were all on deathbed confessions. You know what? On my deathbed, I'm going to have like the wildest tales. Are you going to make it up though? Is it gonna... Absolutely. I want here. That's, I love it. I love this idea. Yeah, right. It'd be just, just oh. the wildest. I, I have to think about it, uh, um, but, but uh, I, I think, uh, I think the more I hear about all yeah. these on my deathbeds yes. tales, you know, it makes me. Uh, hopefully, I'm coherent enough to make something up like that, yes. you know, or like if I can't talk, maybe I'll do like a little, my last notes, oh. like. In 2015, I was, you know, walking along a river and and then throw people off like a like a fake trail and be like, yeah. I did bury treasure by the north side of the Amqua up Highway 138 yeah. or something like that, you know. <laughs> and I, I met Bigfoot, and I was taken by aliens. <laughs> yeah, I was taken by aliens, and the aliens were Bigfoot. That's why we can never really see them because they're actually aliens. I love it. There is theories of that, by the way. That's a whole other thing. That's all I got. I'll come up with something better. I think I think I love where you're going with it. I love the deathbed confession. I love saying it's a buried treasure, but I want it to be like the Kung Fu Panda twist when they go bury the treasure. It's a mirror, and so they see their face. It's like perfect. Yes. <laughs> it's like damn, Mark. Yes. 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 Something actually like a meaningful or something. Yeah. You know, or Beanie Babies. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine digging it up like Beanie Babies? Like magic cards or Pokemon That'd cards? Be so funny. Use bubble gum. <laughs> Beanie People are so mad. Oh, oh man. Know. So, okay. Or yeah, like the back. Pringles. Or what's the, uh, like when the snake pops out of like the, oh, the yes, thing like, like the, that? The can of nuts, the snake <laughs> yes, pops out. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. We Th- that, would be, that would be amazing. Yeah. I love that so much. Uh, okay. So, Death Day Convention. Chinook woman tells this kid that she pretty much raised, like, hey, I was there. You know, my family was the one who covered up the mine, you know, 50 years ago. Uh, tells this girl, you know, tells this young lady. The young lady writes it down in a journal, right? Chinook lady passes away. 
the younger the young gal goes to her family and says, Hey, that you know, Chinook woman who's with us for 50 years told me this crazy story of where the gold mine is. And you're like, that was an old, that was an old tale. No right. one believes it. You're crazy, right? You right. know, there's only like five people, or whatever. No, it never happened, Just right? Just die and move on, lady. Just die and move on. So she leaves her journal, leads away. Now, her older brother, okay, who also knew this Chinook woman, he moves to San Francisco. Okay, now we're talking about the turn of, this is about 1910s or so. He moves to San Francisco. And while he's there and that kind of stuff, um, he starts hearing stories of Chinook Indian gold being in San Francisco and that they had a mine and that they sealed it up and no one knows where it's at. So now he's got a whole different collaborated story from a whole different group of people. He goes back to his sister three years later and says, do you still got that journal? Yeah. And she goes, yeah. And here's, and here's the right where she said it was going to be. And what was wild was that the, the Chinook were smart enough to say this was off the side of a uh, tributary. But the funny part is the tributary dries up half the year. So that's why people couldn't find it. So he goes, he goes and finds, he finds what he's pretty sure is this lost um, mine. And he starts, you know, trying to chill, take rocks out of it. Well, people show up on horse and say, what are you doing? This is private property. Yeah. You need to get out of here. And of course, he's not going to tell them that, hey, I think this is a gold mine. So he leaves and he tries for the next like five to 10 years to sneak back and get there. Every single time he's caught and chased off. Well, finally, um, they don't hear from the brother after a couple of years and a different hunter comes forward to the family because they found his ID or his identifying information in the, the body. Single gunshot wound to the skull. The brother's dead. And uh, if that doesn't raise red flags. Right. So to this day, a lot of aerial footage of between Tomuk and in Portland, all the different ravines and that kind of stuff. There's spots where they see, you know, some tributaries that dried up. Yeah. There's spots that where satellite images show this could be there. It is all on private property now, though. Of course. And so, t- but the the Chinook still believe this is cursed gold. So they don't want anyone to get into it. Yeah. But yeah. That's, well, what's the saying? When the legend becomes fact. Print the legend. Print legend. One of my favorites. And I mean, it, it yeah. goes, it goes without saying. I mean, when, the more you hear, especially over 50 years, over 50 you know what I mean? Years, it starts yeah. becoming a uh, passing down through generation, through lines yes. and other people start overhearing conversations and yes, you know, I'm going to throw one more at you because you made a comment and I was like, I, I, I almost didn't cover this one, but it's short. So it's real short. That's all right. Um, and this ties into people you know, need to know the people need to know. And this is, um, this one's my <laughs> give something, give people something to do. It reminds me a little bit being us having a banking background yeah. and that kind of stuff. So there was a little place between and folks, if you go out and find any of these buried treasures, just remember you heard it on the Oregon Files podcast, and you can reach us at the Oregon Files podcast at yahoo.com and let us know, you know, what we're looking at as far as our pay cuts. Yeah. I mean, our pay takes. So we, we would appreciate we it. We just found some sponsorship. You know, we're not picky. Yeah. We just need to take a little bit. Basically, it's a town that became modern day Phoenix, Oregon. Lovely area. Okay? Lovely area. Back then, there was some pretty good gold being found. And this once again, we're talking about gold rush times. Okay. And... There wasn't the nearest bank was, you know, you're either going to, to like Medford or Grants Pass. It's still it's still a ways away to go. And that's, you know, not the easiest terrain back then. So there was a local guy and he was trusted. He would take people's gold dust and what they found. He'd label it. But back then you don't have a vault, you don't kind of stuff. So he would put it in a kettle and bury it in his property. What is with that? Okay, once again, well, there was no, I mean, I mean that's the first banking system, right? <laughs> what? But guess what? He was he was legit. He did this for years, okay? Yeah. So he was very well trusted. He would make the trips into the banks. He'd keep their ledgers clean. No one had a problem with him. Complete trust, right? Well, 
the day before he's about to make his next big trip to town, which has had one of his biggest payloads in the old uh, kettle there that's buried in his yard, he has a stroke. And before he perishes, he can't talk. So he's trying to, with a shaky hand, draw a map to where this kettle is oh, buried. No. It's somewhere on his property. Oh, man. And he passes away before he can finish the map. Oh, like in the middle of like doing the map? He's middle of like- the map, stroke, gone. The thing is, he's got like 20 people's gold stuff in this. And we're talking like... They said that like back then, they said it was equivalent like $23,000 back then, which is like a million now. Like and you're some, not insured by the FDIC. You're not insured. Yeah. <laughs> There's no insurance. Right. You got to find the kettle. <laughs> of course, everyone, everyone in town, everyone who lived near, you know, Phoenix at the time, it's a search party. Everyone shows up with a shovel on oh this guy's my property. Gosh, right. They dig hundreds of holes and do not find a thing. So to this day, there's a lost kettle filled with gold dust and gold pieces with somewhere. With people's names on it. Yeah. With all these people's names on little pieces, you know. Yeah, that will never be found if, or, you know, found by this one lucky person. If you found that and you were able to, if the names were still le- le- legible, oh, yeah. would you take the time to, like, try to find, um, you know, like, search online, yes. know, try to find the peoples that might belong to from 100 years ago, however long it was? What what I would do is a great question. Yeah. I know exactly what I would do. Yeah. Is I would call History Channel or I'd call Discovery, like, hey, I got a show for you. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> you would just milk it for like 10 episodes. I would milk it. I want the, I want the, I'll get the revenue from the advertisers, <laughs> but who wouldn't want to watch that show if you finding long lost relatives like, hey, you're great, great grandpappy. Here's $20,000 in gold dust he found. Yeah. Uh, I thought I'd track you down and give it to you, you know? Yeah. Just surprise people like live in public. I mean, come on. How much fun would that be? When did we stop calling people? Grandpappy. <laughs> I mean, did that that stopped after like the gold rush era? It might have been. You know, yeah. soon, as soon as <laughs> the old prospectors died off, there that's that's uh, it died with them. Grandpappies, yeah, boy, yeah. my grandpappy. Love it. I think uh, I probably picked up are, a Looney Tunes cartoon. But yeah, those are those are those, those are, are good, stories. Mark. Those were fun, and that's only this one one. That's fourth. a quarter of it, right? Yeah, we'll we'll do some more. There's Those a lot. Good. Yeah, I didn't even touch the coast stuff. No so, idea yeah. there was that. That's true because we we originally were looking at the ones that were buried on the coast, and I'll be a whole different podcast. Good one. Yeah. Uh, speaking about coastal treasure, yes, Mark, tell me, Goonies never say die, Mark. Never say die. Never say die. So this was actually pretty recent, and it's National Geographic had had this story that they they officials. Uh, confirmed that there was timbers from a shipwreck of the 17th century Spanish galleon. Whoa. They were found in caves. Uh, this says earlier this week, and yeah. this will tell you this was uh, back in June. So, so this is recent. This discovery. is recent. Um, Whoa. So the legend of Santo Cristo de Burgess, uh, it is the story that actually inspired Steven Spielberg to come up with the idea for the movie, The Goonies, back in 1985, which is, if you haven't seen The Goonies, it's about a group of kids who seek a sunken treasure ship, basically to save their home from foreclosure. That's right. It right. started the dance craze, the truffle shuffle. <laughs> uh, for, for 300 years, tales of the shipwreck spread uh, within areas of indigenous tribes, passing down the legend. So again, once yeah. the legend becomes fact, print the legend. Yeah. Passing on the legend of a ship that had vanished off the Oregon coast around 1693. It's funny when they say treasure yeah. because what they're naming in here is actually it's porcelain, beeswax, and Chinese silk. Wild. So not so much of the gold. So that's kind of interesting. So yeah. so I yeah, the beeswax I heard about that one because they were wondering why certain beeswax are starting to show up in Oregon at a certain time. And the only logical was that it came off a ship that yeah. shouldn't have been there. But the, the Chinese silk is interesting to me. Right. And that's I'm sure that's 
pretty expensive, right? That's got to yeah. be a, out of all three items. I'm sure the Chinese silk's probably the one that's the money, the money item, right? Yeah, right. And it's it's, it's interesting to think of the Spanish going to. Because when did they? When did right. they? Did they meet the Chinese in the middle of the ocean? Did they right. go over there to themselves? Right. Well, when was the Silk Trade, or when was the Silk Road? Oh yeah, right. You're right. That was way before we. Right. Even, yeah. So the new discovery it confirms that ancestral people knew what they were talking about. <laughs> Call me liar. Uh, cultural <laughs> research, cultural resources director for the Confederated Tribes of the yeah. Silits yeah. and the member of the Silits Tribal Council told National Geographic their recovery required a team, law enforcers, and search and rescue specialists who oh, wow. have been searching for the past 15 years. Wow. So according to National Geographic, uh, powerful tides made for a tricky and dangerous operation that had to be perfectly timed. Uh, so Spielberg had reportedly seen a, a newspaper story, yeah. a clippings about the legendary ships and the <sighs> items, which made him inspired to write the uh, movie. It, in turn, also inspired a local commercial fisherman named Craig Andes. So, according to National Geographic, belonged to a Goonies gang of kids growing up in the area. As an adult in 2013, he came across timber remnants that he thought might have once been part of the ship Santo Cristo de Burgess. So, apparently, he was like the original Goonies, this guy. Andes, uh, he contacted the, all the volunteer uh, maritime uh, archaeological society. He urged them to test a sample of the wood. He says, I was convinced it was driftwood. To think that 300-year-old ship timbers could survive the Oregon coast was just crazy. A lab analyst confirmed the tropical hardwood was a variety in age that would have been used for the ship Santo Cristo, prompting the recovery efforts. Uh, the timbers are currently stashed at the Columbia River Maritime Museum in Astoria, which is a really cool museum if you haven't been to. I'm going to go there now. Um, it's uh, where they're, they're being still scrutinized by historian, historians and uh, experts. One of the senior uh, investigators, Jim Delgado, he quotes and says, These timbers are physical evidence for the stories that have been known passed down through generations. The Goonies ship will never be found, though, the actual ship. Huh? The, it's a 105-foot-long Inferno. Oh, it's the actual movie they, they made okay, for the... Yeah, yeah, It was destroyed after production. That's so. right. Anyway, that's uh, that's kind of neat that so, they've actually uh, found part of the yeah. the ship, which that's inspired wild. the movie Goonies. The, the Goonies, yeah. So so two two takeaways. My yeah. favorite part of this, and it's, it's between this one here, the, your story, and then um, the one that was set them up, I love how... The Native Americans tell us, like, hey, there's a crater lake, or hey, there's a right. shipwreck over there. And, right. and, and I love how, like... The Native Americans knew that there was some buried... Yeah. There's a shipwreck, you know, since 1693, and they're like... And it takes until 2022 for somebody to... Well, I guess they kind of had an idea, like, in yeah. the 80s, but, like, yeah. nobody actually, like, tested, like, the 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 wood or whatever and but they couldn't yeah. take the native americans word for right. it that's like you know right. oh i'm sorry until a white person discovers it it's right. not really discovered you know right. it's like wow guys right. oh and then i did want to shout out some of my, my information i forgot the credit wc jameson buried treasures of the pacific northwest was where i got uh, two of the stories and some of the other information also came from a lovely article from or the oregonlife.com called five legendary missing treasures you'll May Never Know About by Danielle Denham. Back to you, though. Awesome, Mark. Thank you so much. Uh, so this one is 
also a buried treasure story, and it actually takes place in Oregon. Takes place. <laughs> Shocker! <laughs> <laughs> Twist. Yeah. Takes Twist. place in Portland. Oregon. Excuse me. It comes down basically the scrutiny and the trying to understand. There's a hand drawn map of mysterious origin. Now, the map was done on a deathbed confession. Uh, this is uh, according to a, a site called Atlas Obscura. Okay. And it also, it also is the archives of the Oregon Historical Society. There's a research library in, in Portland that houses a lot of treasures, oh. but only one honest to goodness treasure map. So, this is the only treasure map. That's included in the Oregon Historical Society, what? which is interesting. So basically, it's like a little piece of scrap paper. It's unfolded. The document is six inches and 18 inches wide. It's covered from edge to edge. On a side, it has long strings of blunt capital letters written in blue pencil and a map sketched in blue and yellow. On the far left, there's a port. Okay, with a building topped okay. by a tall spire on its shore. And on the right, there's a barn and two slashes that seem to be gravestones. In black ink, someone has written the word money. Okay. That's how you get them. Highlighting two separate caches of $3,000 each. This is in 1862. Oh, when the map seems to indicate the treasure was buried. So... This is, of course, $6,000 worth of fortune. I mean, back then would have been several several years of somebody's hard-earned yeah, money, right? Yeah. So it's not necessarily the amount of money. I mean, there was a lot of money back then, but it's just the idea that um, the possibility of this being you know, buried somewhere. Yeah. Uh, it's just enough on there that people think this possibility to recognize some of the landmarks Ooh. 160 years later after the map was supposedly created, but most of it is still a mystery. Some people believe that it could be along two deep grave, uh, grave sides. There's another, uh, indicator. It could be near like Pike road, two miles from Portland, the graves lay north and east of the structure near an old stump in an old in an orchard. I love yeah, this old always, stump. Always, yeah. <laughs> it's old stump. No one's actually uh, certain the authenticity of the map or who kept it through the 19th century. Its existence did not become public until the 1940s, when the Historical Society published a short note about the docu- document. Uh, the map had been discovered a few years earlier after the death of a Seattle judge named Everett Smith. Whoa! His son Irving had found it among his father's papers. And at the time, Irving told the Historical Society that his father had never mentioned the map and left no written explanation. Come on! But several decades later, Irving told the Oregonian that he learned the map had previously belonged to an indigent man whose estate had been settled in Judd Smith's court. What? Irving had also admitted that he hunted unsuccessfully for the treasure before revealing the map's existence. So, ends up with a judge, judge's kid. The judge got it from some sort of estate sale. Oh, no, he got it from an estate that he helped. Somebody from his law work, I guess. The Oregonian had tracked down Irving Smith at his house in Oklahoma City in 1966 because treasure hunters were still on the prowl in Portland. There was a lot of renewed interest in the century-old treasure. It sparked a lot of publications in the 1950s. There's no evidence of a man by the name of Sims or Symes with Portland Connections who died in the Civil War, and there was no record of Pike Road in Portland. 
Uh, still didn't deter from fortune seekers, nor did the unexplained disappearance of the map itself. In 1966, Holt wrote to the Oregon Historical Society looking for the original document. The response was disappointing. Yes, the subject of the Portland treasure chart has come up before. As far as I know, we could ever find. OHS doesn't have that chart. The curious worked itself from Holt's secondhand description to reach starkly different conclusions. Some believe the Pike Road to be an old nickname for Plank Road. So there's just a lot of speculation about where this $6,000 treasure could be. I think it's probably just the idea of trying to find the treasure than than actually the amount itself. So today, the Oregon Historical Society doesn't see many treasure hunters. Scott Daniels estimates he's met maybe like 10 or 12 in the last 15 years in the research library. Those who do come see the original map, that at least has been found. Daniel speculates that it was never missing, exactly just packed away for the Society's 1966 to move into current downtown location. I'm looking at the map right now because right, right. I found that I found that online. Yeah, the map right? is cool. Holy mackerel. This right. fact that it says port, it's got it right. calls out Portland, Oregon. Right. You're right. It says Keep money on the this map. Chart till I Something get oh get well yeah keep this keep this chart till I get well right Pike Road two mile I love the two and there was miles never a Pike old. Road that's so weird so then right. you're right it's got to be a, a plank something that wasn't named at the time Old Symes and see it says Old Symes but there is there's no connection to anyone in that okay. name Portland in the Army 1864 key yeah. charts but they All can't find any now. record right okay so I see where you see the Sims part but and it talks about an orchard yeah grave see it has a different three thousand dollars three thousand dollars money so he's like pointing out where that might have been and he, he drew a house where he's on the road map and it looks right. like a circus tent behind it but um, <laughs> right but look okay when you see it says Old Sims I don't. I see where you can see Sims, but I see a W. You think it, so? Because look, he tried to, there's Old a mistake Sires. there. Sirees, which I think Sires. is, that's, Could I bet be. that's a, it doesn't mean anything. But. Could be. Graves north from Barn, yeah. 10 foot east. Portland. Five foot deep. It's buried five, the bury five feet deep. Five at, at the, at the two? Wild. Two, oh, at the two graves north from the barn, 10 foot east. Keep this chart till I get well. Kind of wild. And nobody's been able to find, nobody's been able to, you know, find this money. It's in a graveyard or gravesite somewhere. It's pretty. He learned the map previously belonged to an indigent man. Yeah. Indigent man. Indigenous. Man whose estate had been settled in judge's court. So he got it somehow from the, the man who had it in his possession. Anyways, no, that's a good one. I, right? It's the interesting. Fact that you have the map. Right. Really? The map yeah. makes it really real. Oh, man. Right. The hard part with a lot of this nowadays, though, is you, there's not really, you can't just wander around and go on property trying to find treasure. <laughs> right. Or graveyards. Property, or, yeah, graveyards. Right. You can't just go be digging and be you like, yeah. $3,000 down. And is it really worth it to find $3,000, $6,000, whatever? It's great for the story, but you're right. right. It's got to be worth the, the value. You right. Know? Can you imagine telling your wife, like, hey, I'm going to take off like a year. I'm going to find, you know, Three thousand dollars in treasure. All right, <laughs> crazy. Good stories. Yes, I love those. Thank yes, you. Yes, yes, yes. We we have our two questions. Two questions. Yes. And the first question is, what's the craziest thing you found? Did I get that oh, right? Yeah. yeah. Was, have you ever found something that somebody lost? Found right? something somebody lost. Yeah. Right. Um, talking about treasure. Right. 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 Uh, yes. Okay. I did a little story for this one. I was uh, Albertsons, Roseburg, walking in one day, and I just happened to see this lady was coming out of the store as I was walking in. And the reason it just stood out to me is she had, she was pushing her car in the, 
I saw something yellow sticking out of the side of the cart, you know, like where you would keep your purse and that kind of stuff. But she had the thing folded up, you know, the little thing that you push down to put your kid in or something like that. But it was pushed up. I saw something yellow sticking out. I just thought it was odd. I'm like, and I was like, oh, Albertson's blue color. So that's weird. I wonder what they're. But I didn't think much past it. I walk into the store. I grab, I was getting, I think, one thing. I was getting like a drink and I was going to the register. As I get to the register, there's a frantic old man and he is, he is like almost near tears crying. He goes, I just lost my deposit bag i oh no so he worked at a local store and he goes i came in to make a deposit and i can't find it and i'm sitting there and he's and he's mumbling he's, he's panicked the store employees are trying to calm him down he goes no he goes no understand it's like our deposit like is during christmas time so it was a good deposit right and i just and, and he made icon it's so funny because i just have a look at it and i go was it yellow by the way, I hardly ever talk to strangers. I have a policy I don't get involved, right? It's like, do you have it? Because that's just it. By, and part of me is just like, well, don't ask. Because if the answer is <laughs> right, yes, you're going to know more than you right, should know, right? Right. And he goes, yes. He goes, did you see it? I go, I think it was in a cart that I saw a lady pushing in the parking lot. I run, me, the old guy, and like three Albertsons employees all run to the parking lot. Thankfully, the lady, where I saw the lady push the cart away, it was still there. We folded it up and there was the money bag. How did she get it? She just, so here's the funny part is, the, so what we think happened is that he came in, he was doing his other shopping, that kind of stuff, and just forgot that he was supposed to make a deposit. So he's getting ready to go. He goes, oh, shoot, you know, I got to make that deposit. Where's that money bag? And by then, someone else had grabbed the cart. Oh, man. But, Why wouldn't you keep that, like, in your pocket? Yeah. Your jackets? Yeah. It was, it was. Or it was, do that was first. Good. Right? Yeah, there's so many things, different ways it could have played out. But yeah. how about you? Did you ever find something somebody lost? I had I had to think about this one. No, not really, but I'll tell you a weird story. Oh, I love it. That a few years ago, my friend and I were looking for. He was looking for a house to rent. He was looking for a house to buy or something. They were moving out something, and we were killing some time in between looking for houses. And we went to Stewart Park. Okay, yeah, park here in town. Yeah. Okay, he was in the disc golf at that time, so we parked <laughs> by the disc golf area down there at, yeah. at the park. Okay, it's a park. Uh, we go do our thing. I walk around with him because I wasn't really into it. I was just keeping him company. Huh? Okay. We come back to his car and he gets in the car. He reverses and he notices something is wrong with his tire. And he was like, what What the heck is going on? Yeah. You know, you can just tell something's wrong with his tire. He gets out of the car and he looks the back tire. Somebody took a, a blade, a knife. Yeah. A, perfectly like positioned it to where when he rolled the car back it gave him a flat tire what he's like what the heck and he pulls out the knife and on the back of the knife is a mason symbol what now i don't know my (laughs) i knew my friend pretty well i'm like is somebody trying to like deliver a message to you like what and I think till this day, he never really said much more about it. He just like held on to the knife. Like, I don't remember what we did with the car. We yeah. had a toad or something like that. But out of all the things, I know we didn't really find it. It kind of like came yeah. on, it came into yeah. our possession in, in a weird kind of way. But like, holy mackerel, who's just leaving random mason knives and you know i don't know it was very yeah, odd really it was odd. very strange so your friend's like don't worry about it <laughs> right he's like don't. he's like i'll take this and uh you know we'll continue looking for houses or something i don't know that's so it was wild. it was odd yeah it, it was odd i like that one that's good yeah um, right. Next question is, what's what's the funniest thing that you've ever seen in person? And the reason I want to say in person, I've seen a great YouTube funny videos, right? Yeah. But have you ever seen something so funny in person you never forgot it? <laughs> um, 
Man, I I was thinking more on the lines of embarrassing things That's that fair. have happened, including myself. Okay. And I told this story recently to some workmates, but um, a few years ago, I was playing some golf and I went to return the golf carts and you park it along like mm-hmm. the side where all the golf carts were. But I don't know exactly what happened. My foot didn't hit the gas or my foot didn't hit the brake. It like hit the, hit the gas oh, or something. Boy. It hopped over the curb onto the putting green area where there was probably about six or seven people practicing their putting oh, for the morning. And it was like scrambling cockroaches. <laughs> and it was and I had my I had my kid on my lap. Yeah. She was maybe like four months old. And I just remember somebody yelling, he's got a kid on it. He has a baby on, he's got a baby on his lap. And it was just, it was just, it was mayhem. It was me. I'm now I have to figure out, I have to get this cart yeah. back into the parking lot. Like I can't just like get out and leave uh-huh. it and be like, somebody take this for me. I had to suck up the embarrassment and, and make my way down like the, the sidewalk area, yeah, yeah. come back. And then by the time I came back, oh, security's <laughs> out there. Yeah. The, the marshal, what they call the marshal of the yeah. golf course. He was just like, he was irritated, but he also wanted to make sure that everyone was okay. Yeah. I still have like my kid on my lap. Oh my and uh, I, I went back the next weekend because <laughs> I wanted to play some more golf. For, yeah. But everyone in the clubhouse, the, the, the golf clubhouse was just giving me a hard time, just like laughing. Like, Damn. you're the guy who drove the golf cart onto the onto the putting green. Like, I've never been so embarrassed in my life. That's hilarious. I mean, that is, it's so embarrassing to think about. Just, I, love I don't he's, even know what happened. He's got you a know? kid. He's got a baby. <laughs> he lost it. <laughs> <laughs> What's oh this guy doing? I mean, there it was a busy golf course day. It was a nice day. People were just out putting, you know, practice. Yeah. And then here comes this crazy guy on a, in a golf cart, just oh, like man. ruining it, and just like. <laughs> and it's not a short. It wasn't yeah. a short drive yeah. or in a golf cart to go from the putting green and back around to where I was supposed to park. I, I don't even know what happened. That's I amazing. still have. It's like tunnel vision. I that's like I was parking, and then before I knew it, I was up on the putting green. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's anyway, good. that's yeah. So I self self funniest thing that ever happens. Embarrassing. I got I, a lot of embarrassing stories. I, 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 I think I, that's something. Right. <laughs> See, I do something daily embarrassing happens to me. So right. not just the norm. You, um, if you can't laugh at yourself, I mean, right. what, what's the point, right? Yeah. Funniest thing that I ever saw in person. One day, my brother and I was here in Roseburg. We went out to breakfast, and we're coming back, and he had a little blue uh, Ford pickup at the time. It was early in the morning, so there wasn't a whole lot of traffic on the road. And we're coming up the street there to where King's Table and Pizza Hut used to be, which now two restaurants aren't there anymore, right? right. But anyways, we're coming up that road, and there was a single, single turkey on the sidewalk, <laughs> looking like he's waiting to cross the road. <laughs> yeah. Okay? And my brother was in the far lane, and we're, 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 as we're driving up, there's no cars on the road. We just, we're, this turkey's literally just standing there. And my brother thought it'd be funny if we just, he goes, watch this. And he goes, he gets in the, the, the other lane there. And we thought we we're going to pretend like maybe we we're going to like give him a ride or whatever. <laughs> or just to see what we're going to do to see right. what the turkey does. And so we get in that lane and we're about 10 feet from the turkey. And this is, this is, this is happening. I mean, exactly describe how it happened. The turkey's feathers go, his arms, base of his arms go up straight up in the air. Okay. And he literally screams and runs out into the road. <laughs> and, 
one thing I never heard a turkey scream like a human. I never seen him throw their arms up in the air. But just the front hood of my you brother's truck, it. you can see the top of his feathers as his hands are as his wings are completely stretched out, screaming as he runs in front of us, barely, barely miss hitting him, right? Because we weren't gonna jump the curve and hit him or anything. We just wanted right. to scare it for a second. No, he's screaming. His feathers, he runs in front of the hood of the car. We see his feathers. He goes by my brother's driver's side door. We look in the mirror. He is running down the street, still screaming, still feathers in the air. I think this Why did he wait till the last minute? He waited the last minute. I think he he, he, just, he was done. He will he like we broke that turkey. <laughs> and he was and, just, and we the last we saw was him just running down the street yeah. screaming. And uh he hears what happens to all the turkeys. We had to pull over, we were laughing so hard. Like no one's no one's ever gonna believe that story. Like right. we wish we had a dash cam. It's one thing because it's like to describe it, like there's no way it happened. Right. No, that's exactly how it happened. Amazing. All right. All right. So oh, wow, speaking of uh speaking of some jokes, we're gonna finish on some uh on some dad jokes. This is all history based because yes. I feel like today was Perfect. more historical. Well, more, yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. it was historical. Yeah, it's historical. Is treasure hunting historical? It's I guess, I guess yeah, it takes place un- in history. history yeah. What did Romans use before the pizza, cut, pizza cutter was invented? What did Romans use before the pizza cutter was invented? Yeah. I got no idea. Little Caesars. Dang it. I, you know, that's good. Who invented the knock knock joke? Going <laughs> into the first door. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Boy, I read that wrong. Whoever invented the knock-knock joke should get a Nobel Prize. Nobel Prize? Wow, I wow. read that really wrong. Uh, what's the worst thing about ancient history class? <laughs> <Good idea. laughs> the teachers tend to babble on. Babble on. That's solid. Okay, that's my favorite. That's All right. Good. That's good. Uh, we'll do one more. Okay. Why is it called the Dark Ages? No internal lights on? Because of all the nights. All the nights with a K. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's all I got for I like those. There's there there's tons more, but uh I don't wanna you know, I don't wanna I wanna overdo it with the dad jokes right? today. Yeah, that yeah. was good. Um, <laughs> well I think our listeners, all the feedback, you know, all that kind of stuff. This is yes. fun for us to do. I love we love sharing yes. the history and the stories, finding these crazy stories that yes. are only in books. Amazing or, stories. You know, just wild stuff. Who knew? Who knew? That's how we should name the podcast. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew with Elliot and Mark? Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Tell your friend. Tell your neighbor. Yep. If you like us, please, please, you know, tell tell everyone to give us give us a try. Give us a listen. You know, even if you don't know what a podcast is, now is now's the time to to learn what a podcast. is. Uh, my favorite is is it live? No, that's no. pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. No, it's not a radio show. It's a podcast. But anyway, check us out wherever you get your podcast. Obviously, you're listening to this, so you know where you get a podcast. Mm-hmm. But if do know, if family member, whoever doesn't know where to listen to us, we're on Apple, we're on Alexa, we're on Amazon, we're on Google, we're Spotify. Just, you can just Google us. Mark puts it on YouTube, YouTube Oregon yeah. Files Podcast. And then you're welcome to look up. I have an Instagram page, uh, Oregon Files Podcast. Right. I just put the episodes out there. We hope everyone just enjoys our podcast. If you want to get a hold of the show, we have an email. It's Oregon Files Podcast at yahoo.com. And then, uh, you know, like Mark said, thanks again for just listening and continuing to give us, uh, you know, your thoughts and feedback. And, you know, we're already on to next episodes yeah. 24. So 24 it's pretty freaking awesome. So, all right. That's it. Thank you. Thanks so much. <laughs>